Some of you might be thinking, you know, this is not possible. And if you think it is not possible, you are right. Because if you think it cannot be done, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Remember the story from yesterday about the elephant. You're chained if you think you are. A more positive attitude says this. If Jesus commanded it, then it must be possible. Do you understand the difference? If Jesus wants it to happen, then there must be a way. Now, part of the problem is that we don't prepare people adequately for change. Sometimes in an established church, it may take 10 years. Most pastors cannot even begin to effectively lead the church until they've been there from four to seven years. And some older established churches have pastors that come every three and four years. You know, they come and stay for three or four years and they go. And they stay for three or four years and they go. And they stay for three or four years and they go. And what does that teach the people? We don't need to listen to the ideas of this pastor because if we wait long enough, he'll be gone. And so the only way change happens in many of these churches is to stay long because God has called you to be there. And if you're relatively young, you can outlive them. But I'm I'm, I'm half kidding on that. But I am serious that change in established churches take long-term pastorates. And it requires a commitment to stay there. And you must utilize a wise process to sow the seeds for change. Here are five steps to organize our thinking. The first is to live the vision. There is no change that happens in a church without the pastor first changing and the elders. Now, how do you live out the vision? People watch how the pastor spends his time. And by what they see the pastor do, they conclude that that must be what's important. For instance, if you want to have a church that begins to reach out to non-Christians, just don't talk about it. Start building some relationships with non-Christians yourself personally. I like to ride a mountain bike. I have joined a mountain bike club. The primary reason is because I want the exercise. And I decided that I was not going to be able to jog and maintain my legs till I was old. But a second reason I became a part of this mountain bike club was so that I could build relationships with non-Christians. So twice a week when I'm in town, I ride with this mountain bike club. And that is one of the reasons why I'm doing it. Now, the, the success that I'm having in building relationships is not as good as you might think. The reason is quite simple. There are no relationships to be had when you're the last one going up the hill. <laughs> They're building relationships at the top and you're still like <laughs> But live out the vision. There was a pastor in Malaysia, no, Singapore, and this pastor was not at church one particular for two weeks. And they announced why the pastor was not there. He was going on a long bicycle trip with a bunch of non-Christians. That made an impression on the people in the church. It communicated that it's important to build relationships with non-Christians. Now, I'm not saying you have to spend all of your time with non-Christians, but spend some time on a consistent basis that does something that shows that that's important to you. Because I have come to this conclusion. In the Western world, we always make time for what is really important to us. If it's really important, you will be able to find some time, somehow, some way to start doing something that lives out the vision. 
even if it's just a little bit of time to start with. But I would suggest to you that no change happens in a church without the pastor changing the way he spends his time in a way that the people can see. It also just comes out in the passion of what God has placed within you. I can't help it but to talk about church planting. If you cut me, that's what I bleed, church planting. I find church planting all over the Bible, even if it's not there. It is a passion. The second is to identify the key opinion leaders. Now, when I use this term opinion leader, I'm talking about those people in your church that influence the opinions of others. They are the leaders because other people follow them. They may or may not be the official leaders in your church. They may or may not be the... especially true in the state church. The opinion leaders are people that can do one of two things or both. They're either what we call movers, that is, they can help things to happen, or they are blockers... They can stop stuff from happening. Imagine, if you would, that your church is like a bus. And as the pastor, you sit in the driver's seat. And right behind you are some of the elders and your leaders. And then you start noticing the equipment on this bus. You say, this is a very strange bus. Some of you are sitting in the driver's seat, and there's not even a steering wheel. And there's not a gas pedal or a brake. And you go, this is very strange. And you go walking around, and you... See that here is a steering wheel and a big brake, but no gas pedal. <laughs> then you go over to this seat and you find that there's a little steering wheel and a big gas pedal and only a little brake. And all these different seats seem to have different sets of steering wheels, gas pedal, and brake combinations, but not everyone. Who sits in those seats? They are the opinion leaders. Now, unfortunately, opinion leaders come in two forms, godly and ungodly. (laughs) Now, it does not take a genius to figure out that to get the bus to go, you're going to need to get a reasonable amount of agreement on the part of the opinion leaders when it's time to put the gas pedal on when it's time to put the brake on, when it's time to turn. Now, as it turns out, it's very rare that you actually have a church where there's absolutely no steering wheel, gas pedal, or brake for where the pastor sits. But the more established the church, the smaller those things are in comparison to the many gas pedals, steering wheels, and brakes that are behind you. In every church, there's about 10% of the church that are the real opinion leaders. And you better know who every one of those people are by name. There was a group in our church that I called the camping group. These people like to go out in tents and and camp outside. That does not seem particularly fun to, to me or my wife. But some people enjoy that. And so that's okay. They asked me one time, they said, Bob, we'd like to have an all church camp out. And I said, that sounds good. And we would like you to go and to lead the worship service on Sunday morning. And I thought to myself, this is not good. (laughs) I said, well, how about asking my associate to go, and I'll stay and take care of the people that are unable to go. And they accepted that. And so they went. And when they came back, I said, how did it go? Oh, Bob, it was so wonderful. I said, well... Who all went? And they look at me kind of surprised. Well, why everybody came. The whole church was there. I thought to myself, this was very interesting. Because their absence was hardly noticed in the church attendance. We were down a little bit, but not that much. 
And so I decided to, 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 to have a little fun. I said, tell me, how many people do you think were in the Sunday service here? Their answers ranged from zero to 25. See, they had no idea there were other people in the church. For them, the entire church was their circle of friends that went camping. So if you wanted to influence that segment of the church, you better know who the opinion leaders are in the camping group. Otherwise, you're going to be in serious trouble. Because they would come to you, if you didn't talk to the opinion leaders of the camping group, they would come to you and say something like this. Bob, nobody knows what's going on. Everybody's against it. The whole church is against it. When in fact, they might only represent a very small segment. You better know who every opinion leader is in your entire church. Now, this is not a list that you publish in your church bulletin. But you better know who they all are. And so that you can begin to dialogue with them. Because if you can get a reasonable percentage of the opinion leaders with you, you could, they can convince the rest of the church to come along.